And our sermon passage today comes from Exodus chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Exodus chapter 1 starts, These are the names of the son of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died and all his brothers in all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. So now, our Father and our God, we turn to, our word, to your word because we turn to you. Lord, this morning, we confess that we feel beset on every side with hardship. There's still a health crisis and a pandemic in our culture from which we are all trying to recover and We pray for blessing and healing and health and restoration, and we ask for your help. There is tension, hardship, suffering. Systemic injustice, racism, uncertainty of response all around. And Lord, we ask that you would help, that you would heal, that you would restore. There's financial hardship, we ask. That you would provide. There's emotional hardship and suffering and isolation, and we ask that you would heal. There's confusion, there's fear. There's uncertainty, there's doubt, and we ask that you would lead your people. So Lord, to all that, we say we need you, and we look to you, and we pray that you would speak to us, not just today, but consistently through your word and through your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 1. In the first service, I forgot that we were doing shortened services right now. And I was just plugging away, thinking I had another 20 minutes and I was supposed to be done. So I still don't know how the sermon's going to go. 
but we'll try again here now. Today, we're starting a new series through the book of Exodus. The series is entitled, Our God Saves. And we're going to start here in chapter 1, and we're going to work our way through Exodus uh, for the foreseeable future, which is preacher speak for a long time. And um, here's why we do this, though. Here's why we work through these books of the Bible. Because we believe God's written them to reveal himself, but we also believe God's written them to shape who we are, to shape how we think, to shape how we live, to shape how we feel. We believe that the Bible is intended to take hold of us much, much more than we're intended to take hold of it. And so we want to work through the books so that the story of the book and the God of the book takes hold of us. That's what we're, that's what we're after as we work through the book of Exodus together. And so I just want to plead with you to join me in this journey. Join me in this journey. And as I said, we're, we're entitling this series, Our God Saves. And that phrase is very true, but it also might come off with a little more bravado than is intended. It might come off as our God saves, as if we are, there's something special about us. So maybe a better way to think about this is that what Exodus is going to teach us is the God who saves is ours. Where the emphasis is on there is a God and he saves at his own initiative for his own love, for his own purposes, and by his grace, we're his and he's ours. The God that we worship, the God that we know is the God who saves. And that's a blessing and that's a grace for the people of God. And so I want this story Captivate us here at Redeemer. And the pragmatic folks are like, well, if that's what you wanted to say, why didn't you name the series that way? I mean, can you imagine that on a, on a slide, you know? Anyway, it just wouldn't work, right, Andy? I see you back there. Okay, yeah. Good job on that, by the way, Andy. Um, this is the recorded service, too, so that's like, it's big time praise. Okay. Um, so that's what I want us to see. And so to, to introduce our Exodus series, we're going to look at these first seven verses. And I'm guessing as Spencer read them and he got into the list of names, some of you thought, oh yeah, here we go again. All those names I can barely pronounce, not that big of a deal. What's next? Well, in this instance, they tell us that there is a backstory that we need to hear. And they tell us that Exodus doesn't begin in the abstract, but it begins in real space, in real time, in, with the people whom God is using to build his kingdom and reveal his character. It tells us that we're jumping in to a story that's of great importance. So for those of you taking notes this morning, the first point is there is a story. There's a backstory that's very important as we launch into Exodus. Verse 1, these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob. 
These are the names of the sons of Egypt that came to Israel with Jacob. What we see is that there's already a story going on. The sons of Israel are actually the sons of a man who was born under the name Jacob and was renamed Israel by God. And Jacob was the son of a man named Isaac. And Isaac was the son of a man named Abraham. And Abraham is of vital importance to this story because God, And when we say God, we're talking about the one true God who is the creator of the heavens and the earth and has made all things and all people and all places. This God, who is real, chose to appear to a man named Abraham and reveal himself. And not only did he choose to reveal himself to a man named Abraham, but he said to Abraham, I've chosen you. I'm setting my love upon you. I'm setting my blessing upon you. And I am going to use you as a vessel. I'm going to use you as a vessel and your offspring as a vessel through which my blessing will go to the ends of the earth. Will go to all the peoples of the earth. And so... When Exodus 1.1 says, these are the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, what it's saying is, these are the people, the family, the clan, the tribe that God has chosen and loved and blessed and set his love upon and that he intends to use for his name his character, his saving power, and his blessing to be extended to the ends of the earth and to as many people as there are stars in the sky, which means you cannot count them. This is the people who come to Egypt. This is the people who are dwelling in Egypt. And they don't just stand as 70-some people, but they stand as the one upon whom the one true God has placed his stamp and placed his seal and placed his promises and promised his blessing and through whom he will accomplish his purposes to the ends of the earth. The God who is real, the God who chose to reveal, and the God who is building a people is displaying his nature and his character through these people whom he's brought to Egypt. That is what is going on in this story. Now, if that's new to you, or if you need a refresher course, let me just encourage you to go read the whole book of Genesis. It's 50 chapters. You could do that this afternoon. Some of you read like an entire John Grisham novel every day. Just take up. The book of Genesis. Others of you are like, dude, I hadn't read a book in like 20 years. But I know you listen to 15 podcasts a week. And and it's crazy how technology works. The Bible is recorded and you can listen to it. If you like the King James, dear brother, it's It's, it's poetic. You can get Johnny Cash reading that on recording for free. 
just, are we cool, Nathan? I just singled you out. (laughs) You should know we're in community group together. We joke like this all the time. Okay, I'm sorry. But the point is, Genesis is an amazing story that gets us here. What we're being told is God is working through a people, and he's brought his people to Egypt, which means that the plans and the purposes of God through his people are going to unfold about this story that happened in Egypt. Additionally, in the backstory, not only is God real and God at work through these people, but God has already shown himself to be a faithful deliverer of these people. Now, notice what it says. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household. Let's count them. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher. Jacob had 12 sons. There's one missing. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. So Joseph is the 12th. And this is the story that God has already used Joseph, this 12th son, to miraculously deliver and provide and be faithful to his people. And, and I don't think it's an accident that this narrative is phrased that way because it's not just saying God's people are here and God's work is here, but it's saying to us, and God, the faithful one to his people, is going to be faithful to his people again. Now, some of you know the story and some of you may never know it, so let's just hit this in high note fashion. Of the 12, Joseph was the favorite son. And so when I say favorite son, if you kind of shrug your shoulders and go, ah, there's not a favorite son in my family, you're the favorite son. And if you grit your teeth, you're not the favorite son, right? There's just no in between, right? So Joseph was the favorite son. And his brothers were jealous of that, and they acted jealously toward him. I mean, remember, these are the people that God's chosen to take his blessing to the ends of the earth. And in great consistency, they sell Joseph into slavery, they fake his death, and they lie to his father about his death, such that he grieves for years thinking that he's dead. That's great love on display, isn't it? But even behind this evil... It gets worse for Joseph. He's sold into slavery. He's taken to Egypt. He finds himself twice in prison. He finds himself twice condemned. He finds himself standing in opposition to the wife of the king himself. And through all that, God miraculously sets apart, sets in place a series of events where Joseph is delivered from prison and exalted all the way to being the vice president of Egypt. He's the number two person in the, the powerful kingdom of Egypt. And then God reveals himself and gives Joseph these dreams where Joseph knows that famine's coming. Joseph saves food. And so that when famine comes, through the leadership of Joseph, Egypt has abundant food and all the peoples are flocking into Egypt to get the food from this man named Joseph. Guess who comes? The sons of Israel, because they too are without food, and they too 
don't know where to turn. And when they come, God delivers his people through Joseph, who acts lovingly and mercifully toward his family rather than pursuing vengeance, which belongs only to the Lord. And so Israel is delivered from famine and moves into Egypt and moves into a period of blessing and moves into a period of abundance through the powerful deliverance of the Lord through whereby he shows his power, his faithfulness, and his commitment to keep his word to his people. So we see in the book, of we're told not only are God's people present here, but the God who is faithful to his people, the God who delivers his people, he's present here also. And while the stay in Egypt begins as a blessing to Israel. God's people had departed the land that God had promised would be theirs, and God did not intend them to stay in Egypt, but he intended to return them to the land which he had promised them. This is actually found in Genesis chapter 15. The Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. And so from this promise, we move from the backstory to our second point. The story continues. The story continues. The flourishing in Egypt is soon to become hardship. Go down to verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And what this is telling us is the story is about to take a dramatic turn. The people are going to move from blessing and abundance to suffering and little. And it will be through this hardship that God provides deliverance and returns his people to the land that he had promised them. God is, God is the hero of the book of Exodus. It is God who is unchanging. It is God who is powerful. It is God who is faithful. What we will see in this story is that the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is real and is above all other gods. We will see God revealing himself as unchanging, powerful, and faithful. We will see God building a people for his name. We will see God using a people to take his blessing to the ends of the earth. We will see God fighting for his people And we will see God shaping how his people live and think and move and act. Friends, in the Exodus story, not only do we see deliverance on display, not only do we see the work of Jesus in word picture, not only do we see God's salvation 
painted in word picture for us, but we see the heart of God unfolding before his people and shaping who his people are. And friends, what I want more than anything is for us to be possessed by this story. I want us to be possessed by this story. And if Exodus is going to shape us, and Exodus is going to possess us, and Exodus is going to change us, then we must know it, and we must know it confidently. I want you to, I want to plead with you and ask you to immerse yourself in the book of Exodus with us. This is not some form of like pastoral faux humility, okay? I just don't believe in me. And I don't believe that I have that much to say that can change our church, your family, your life, or God's world. But I believe that God has tons to say that will do those things. So if all you can do is come on Sunday morning, that's great. I'll do my best to give you Exodus. But I want you to be so immersed in Exodus that it doesn't matter if you hear me say anything about it or not. And you know what? Here in a couple weeks, there's going to be somebody besides me preach. I don't believe in them either. I love them. I'm for them. I think they'll do a great job, but they can't fix you either. So I want God who is at work in Exodus and who gave us this book, I want him to possess us and shape us and change us. Look, I want us to think critically and biblically about all that's going on in our world and God's word is here to help us do that. I want us to believe deeply that we need salvation through him and God's word. This story shows us how Jesus is the answer to sin, how he's the answer to the problems in the world, and how much we need him. So let's immerse ourselves in this story. So I want to ask you to learn about Exodus, to revisit what you know about Exodus, and to pray through it. So let me be practical for a minute here. I want you to read Exodus. Also, you can listen to it. I don't care how you do that. Johnny Cash not only read Genesis, he read Exodus too. So let me help you. If you wanted to read the book of Exodus once a week, you could read seven chapters a day and take Sunday off. If you wanted to read the book of Exodus once a month, you could read two chapters per day and take Saturday and Sunday off each week. If you don't know about all those commitment things that have to fill up your calendar, you can just agree to read one chapter a day until you're done with Exodus and then start over. And you'll probably get through it five times before we're done, maybe ten. I do know this, though. If we don't purpose to read Exodus, we won't read Exodus. That's the bottom line. So I want to ask you to immerse yourself in Exodus. And then I want to ask you to do this. I want you to ask and pray expectantly for God to meet you in Exodus. God wants us to know him. 
God wants us to know his word. God wants us to know his heart. God wants us to know his will. God wants us to know his ways. And he'll meet us in the scripture. So let's be a people about the scripture. Not so we can wave the book in the air and say we're awesome because our heads are full of facts. Or not because we can quote the Ten Commandments, but because we've been possessed and shaped by the God who's revealed there. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for our church. And I believe God's eager to do it. So let's go down this path together. So wherever you are today, would you consider that, that you need to meet God anew in the book of Exodus? And would you enter this journey with us? So our Father and our God, we pray now that you would speak your word to your people for the glory of your name. Lord, we know indeed that we need you. And so we pray that you would reveal yourself to us today. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord.